Well, all right, all right. What's going on, church? It's going to see you today. Thanks for being with us today, man. It's such an honor to have you with us on Sunday morning. You could be anywhere in the world right now, but you chose to come spend some of it with us. I'm so glad that you did. Thank you for everybody that's joining online, our online family. Thanks for being a part of what God is going to do today. And I want to give you a little bit of a heads up. Every once in a while, there is a certain Sunday Um, that if there was ever a Sunday that you were going to invite somebody that is close to you but far from God, um, that 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 would be the Sunday to invite them, either in person or online. I'm going to give you a heads up. Next week is that Sunday. We're going to be laying out the gospel as clearly as I know how um, from an an incredible story from God's word. And so if you know somebody that's a neighbor that you work with, a family member, a friend, whatever it is, whoever they are, and invite them to come join us Sunday at 10 o'clock, either in person or online, because it's going to be an incredible uh, opportunity for us to share what I believe is as we wrap up and close out the comeback series, perhaps the most profound and compelling part of this series that we've been working through. The title of the message today is called Bet the Farm. Bet the Farm. Have you ever heard of that phrase before? Yeah, Bet the Farm. As we continue in our comeback series, here's what we've been learning. We've been learning that the best is yet to come. And the, the comeback idea is, is rooted in the, the, the reality of the resurrection of Jesus and the promise of the return of Jesus. And, and last week, we began to look at what does it mean for us If we begin to believe in this today, if we begin to anticipate hope uh, today, what I want to do today is I want to talk about this idea of the comeback, not from an individual perspective, but from a collective perspective. I want to talk about the comeback for us collectively as the church and um, and, and some things that I think are universal for, for people who call on Jesus. Here's the deal. Everybody wishes they knew of a surefire thing. There's been a lot of chaos going on in the stock market uh, the last couple of weeks. Um, anybody that you know follows that stuff, you've been fascinated by it. And anybody that doesn't care about it, you've been like, what? Um, and that's okay. We welcome everybody here. Uh, but there's been some chaos. But here's the deal. Everybody wishes they could know a surefire bet. The, the thing that if you could bet the farm and know that you would have an incredible return, if you knew that, most of us would be inclined to at least consider betting the farm, meaning, meaning put everything that you've got on that. And what I believe today is that there is a surefire bet, that there is a thing that we can bet the farm on that will absolutely guarantee remarkable in terms in our uh, returns in our life. And it's, it's really rooted in this one simple verse. It's this one profound verse that the Bible records for us in a, in a, at the end of a dialogue that Jesus has with his disciples. If you have your Bibles, you can open up to Matthew chapter 16. Um, just give you a heads up. We're going to be bouncing a lot of different places today. So if you have your Bible, man, come on, keep up. It's like if any of you grew up in church, it'd be like sword drills. Uh, if you didn't grow up in church, then you're like, they give people swords in church. Uh, the Bible refers to itself as a sword. And so we, we, don't, we don't hand swords to children and say, on guard, go. Um, but it's a, uh, anyway, I'm way off track now. Matthew chapter 16, verse eight, this is what Jesus says. He says, and I also say to you that you are Peter 
And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. What an incredible verse. And, and what I've been trying to help you understand so far in this comeback series is, is, is the idea of what the comeback means for you on, on a personal level. But today I want you to see um, that not only is the best yet to come for you, if you by faith have trusted in Christ, if you've been made spiritually alive, what I wanna help us see today is that not only is the best yet to come for you as a follower of Jesus, but the best is yet to come for the church. And when I talk about the church, uh, there's kind of two components that I talk about the church. Um, When when I talk about the big C church, what I'm talking about is is the global church. Every church that is meeting like we do and and opens up the word of God and proclaims the word of God and worships him um, and and, and all the people who who belong to Jesus that have have, um, trusted in him for salvation, that's the big C global church. It's so much bigger than just our church right here. But then there's also the local church, and the local church is, is, is churches like this all across the city, all across the world, that are clustering together as, a, as, as individual faith families that are all a part of a much, much broader family called God's people. And what I want to help you see today is not only is the best yet to come for our church, but the best is yet to come for the Church. Consider this, Jesus launched the idea of the church right here, Matthew 16, verse 18. Uh, he launches the idea of the church. It had never been heard of before. Um, it, it had never been established before. The first time that we ever see the word church used in the Bible is right here. And Jesus says, hey, Peter, um, Peter's name uh, meant a rock, uh, the, the word Petros. Um, uh, and, and what Jesus said is, hey, Peter, on, uh, I'm letting you know that on me, uh, which is a different Greek word, the word Petra, he says, on me, I'm going to build my church and nothing's going to prevail against it. That's a pretty bold statement. I mean, how can Jesus say that he's going to start something? If you've ever um, started a business, uh, I have started a church, uh, which is kind of like starting a business a little bit. And I can tell you that in my experience, there's big hopes and big faith and big plans and big dreams, but there's also all kinds of times in the midst of the process where you're like, not sure it's going to make it. It is a journey of faith. And what Jesus is doing here, he's saying, listen, I'm telling you right now, I'm going to start something and it's always going to be something. And nobody or nothing is ever going to be able to come against it. If you think about it, it's kind of amazing. For 2,000 years, the church uh, has been attacked The church has been blacklisted. The church has been censored. Its founding document, the Bible, has been banned. It's been burned at times, at least in our country. It's been belittled, meaning it's been kind of put on the shelf and and sneered at and mocked and and, 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 and as if it's, it's nothing but just an old ancient thing full of ancient stories that aren't real and aren't true. Empires have come and empires have fallen. Dictators and kings have risen to power and fallen. Yet still, the church remains. It's the longest living organization in the history of man. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. There's three things that um, I, I think are encouraging for us today. I mean, after all, Jesus is the one who predicted his, his death and his resurrection and that happened. And so, 
Maybe when he makes proclamations and declarations, we would be wise to listen. And I think that we are. And I think in this, in this one verse, I think there's three quick things I want to show you that I think are encouraging. Number one, it's not my church. It's not your church. It's his church. That's incredibly encouraging for us today. Because what it means is, is that it belongs to him. The ownership of it is his. The responsibility of it is his. And he is going to build his church. Can I tell you what it means for me as a pastor? What it means for me, and I have come back, God has brought me back to this verse many times over the last year. And God has encouraged me just say, listen, I care about Discover Church more than you ever can. I care about the people of Discover Church more than you ever will. And as I've spent time in prayer over our church and in prayer for you at different times through the year, God has just reminded me, it's good that you care, but just remember, I care more than you can. And so for me, it's, it's, it's kind of a burden removing thing. Like, okay, Jesus, it's your church. You've called me to be faithful, to love people, to point them to you, and I'm gonna do the best that I can. Our team is gonna do the best that we can, but ultimately it's your church, it's not mine. Here's the second thing that's encouraging. We get to participate in it. Jesus told Peter uh, in the next, the next verse, he says, Peter, I'm gonna give you the keys of the kingdom. And what Jesus is doing in this is he's not just giving it just to Peter. The rest of the disciples are there as well. And what Jesus is doing is saying, listen, I'm gonna start this thing and it's gonna continue and nothing's ever gonna beat it. Nothing's ever gonna defeat it. The gates of hell itself cannot overcome it. And I'm gonna give you the keys for it. It's like when you give your teenager the keys to the car. It's your car, but they get to drive it. I've not been there as a parent yet. I'm not ready for that. My oldest is nine. I got time to get ready. But what Jesus is saying, listen, I want, I want, it's mine. It belongs to me. It's in my name. But I want you to be a part of it. And that invitation is incredible because not only did Jesus extend the invitation to Peter and the disciples, and and now when we read back and we learn about these these disciples and the incredible things that we did, we we think, oh my goodness, look at them. They're, they're, They're these great, powerful, awesome, amazing people. But the invitation has been continuing since this verse. And the invitation extends to me and you today that he has given us the keys to the kingdom. He's given us the keys to the car and saying, I want you to participate. I want you to be a part of the thing that I'm doing that's never going to be beaten. And that's encouraging for us today. And the last thing that I want you to see that I think is encouraging is that nothing's going to prevail against it. Literally, no thing will ever beat it. A pandemic, not going to beat it. Politics, not going to beat it. Censorship, not going to beat it. Killing us, not going to beat it. Nothing's ever going to beat the church because Jesus said the gates of hell are not going to prevail against it. And here we are 2000 years later. And certainly over the last year, there's been a lot of things that the big C church has has kind of taken some hits with the things that have happened over the last year or so. I mean, there's been times where uh, the church has been advised and different churches have taken different decisions and different stances, but the church has been advised to, to be careful how you gather. Some churches have been told you absolutely cannot gather. Antagonism and, 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 and animosity against the church and Jesus and his people has Perhaps never been greater in our country. I don't know, maybe, maybe it has. Maybe I'm just not old enough to know. 
But what's amazing to me is even in the midst of everything that's happened this last year, the church has still shined brightly. I just want to tell you if, if, if maybe, maybe you've forgotten or maybe you didn't know, maybe you're new with us and weren't aware of the things that this church has done. That back in the spring when everything shut down and teachers were trying to scramble and figure out how on earth do we teach kids on a computer? I mean, at the time I had a, I had a second grader and a kindergartner. I prayed for my teachers often. I know how difficult it is to get my kids to sit down and pay attention to eat dinner. It's funny watching them on these Zoom calls, kids just like laughing and giggling and. Hi, I'm gonna tell you what I did. So our church said, you know what, let's bless educators and teachers. So we. Man, we gave away a thousand free pizzas in the spring to educators and teachers. Just said, listen, it's tough. I know it's hard, but we see you. We love you. Can we, can we remove the burden of a meal off of your shoulders just for a night? You did that. Over the course of the summer, you organized 15 different bridge events. And, and a bridge event is, is just an event. It's an outreach event where we're trying to build bridges into the community by either meeting a need or providing a blessing. And you organized 15 different events where you gave away food. Um, you organized and put together uh, care packs for people who are homeless. Uh, you went and served and, and encouraged and blessed people in the community. There was a group of people from our worship team uh, that went out to one of the, uh, uh, I don't know if it was a nursing home or a senior citizen's uh, uh, center um, and just went outside and just played worship outside um, just to be a blessing to people when things are kind of dark and distant. You did that. Not only that, but you also gave um, over $125,000 to go to missions projects, both locally and internationally, to advance the cause of Jesus and to not just meet a spiritual need, but to help meet physical needs as well. You did that. Man, can I just tell you, as your pastor, I'm like, what? I'm humbled, I'm amazed, at, and in the midst of what's been going on over the last year, you have said, listen, we're still the church, and church, you, the, the service may have to be relocated, but the church can never be canceled. And our church is just one little church across the spectrum of Kansas City, across the spectrum of the globe that's been moving and working and trying to do things to impact and bless people in this weird, weird time. And I still believe, even though that things are difficult, that the best is still yet to come for the church and for our church. History has proven it over and over and over again. If you're looking for a winning bet, if you're looking for the option of what should you bet the farm on, what can you get a guaranteed return on, I'm here to tell you that based on the authority of God's word, you can bet the farm on the church because it's not going anywhere. But what does that mean for us? What does that mean for Discover Church? Well, I believe it's true for us. I believe that you can bet big on Discover Church. And I'm not just talking about um, uh, 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 you know, how many people are, are going to show up on a Sunday. When I say the best is yet to come for our church, I'm not just talking about how many people we get in the doors or how much, how much people give to the church. I mean, I, that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is that I believe the best is yet to come and the best days for our church are still yet to come where we will see more people discover life in Christ 
where we will see people who were hurting and broken from things in their past begin to find freedom and connection in the context of relationships with other people who were trying to follow Jesus. I believe that we will see more people begin to understand, as Mark Twain said, the two most important days are the day that you're born and the day you figure out why. I believe that we're gonna see more people have the light bulb moment to go, oh my goodness, this is why I'm here. This is why I'm breathing. This is what the purpose of my life is. And I believe that we are going to unleash more people to go make a difference in the world than what we've ever seen before. I believe the best is yet to come for us as a church. And I believe the best is yet to come for you as you partner with everyone else that's a part of the church to see that come to fruition, to see that happen. Does anybody agree with me? Those are always the best. It's really awkward. (laughs) Trying to get you to laugh a little bit, people. I don't know if you know this or not, but you can talk back to the preacher a little bit. You pull something out out of me when you start doing that that I didn't even know was in there. So you have my permission to do that. What I want to introduce you today, what I want to talk about today is what what is this idea of the comeback? And we're talking about the best is yet to come. What does that mean for us at Discover Church specifically? I want to talk about, I want to, I want to share with you the vision that God has put, put on our heart and where God is leading us as a church and, and what the initiatives are for us as a church for 2021 because I, I, I believe that this idea that, that, that when we say the best is yet to come, it's not just cliche, it's not just hype. Listen, can I just tell you, it's only hype if it's not real. But when it's real, it's not hype, it's just, it's just passing it on. And I don't know if you know this or not, but I've started to get into the habit of uh, once a year, I take a week and I, and I, I get away. Um, I call it a vision retreat. Um, and, and I see that Jesus did this often in his ministry. I thought, okay, well, if it's good for him, maybe I should follow his example. And so I get away once a week or once a year uh, for a week and, and uh, just, just get away and just spend time with the Lord. I spend time in prayer and, and, and spend time seeking God. God, what do you want for our church? Can I tell you that one of the most dangerous feelings as a leader, specifically as a pastor, is when I begin to stand out and stand on something that feels like, that it, that it feels like it's mine. And I don't ever want that. I don't want it for you. I don't want it for our church and I don't want it for me. I want to know if we're going to go somewhere, God, I want to know that I'm standing on you and not on me. And so I got away and I, and I just, be honest with you, I spent some time just praying. I'm like, holy cow, God, there is, I don't know if you've noticed God, but it's, it's crazy down here. People have lost their minds. As a pastor, I care deeply about you. I care deeply about the things that you're facing, the things that you're going through. I know that this last year has been difficult, frustrating, heartbreaking, confusing. As your pastor, I care about you. As a leader, I care about our staff. I care about our dream team leaders and the things that they're doing. I hear from, from, I've heard from several volunteers over the last year that, that the work that they've done and the things that they've been a part of at Discover Church over the last year has been some of the most meaningful things they've done in the last year. 
When I, when I put both of those hats on, as, as I'm called to do as a pastor and as a leader, I begin going, okay, God, how on earth am I supposed to cast vision when there's so much that we don't know? I mean, I, I feel like so much of the last year, I've, someone asked me, well, how's this year been for you? I said, well, it's been like, like I went target shooting in a dark room and someone said, hit the bullseye. I'm just shooting shots. I don't know if I'm hitting or missing. I don't know. I guess we'll find out. Eventually the lights will come on. I said, God, how, how am I supposed to lead? How am I supposed to cast vision? What, what are we supposed to do? How, how, do we, how do we begin to identify goals in a season when we don't really know what's happening next week? And I spent two and a half days. That was my prayer for two and a half days. And God is so good and he's so faithful. He said, I got you. Because it's my church, it's not yours. And I'm good and I'm faithful and I will lead my church. I just need you to not screw it up. That, is, that sounds much easier said than done, let me tell you. So what I want to do today in the midst where there's so much confusion, there's so much uncertainty, I just want to come to you today as your pastor, as your leader, and just bring some clarity about where God is leading Discover Church in 2021. Because in this world, there's a lot of things that we can't control. But I believe that there's three things that we can control. And these three things are, this is the vision. We've been kind of unpacking the vision, big picture, this idea of the comeback and the best is yet to come. But what I want to do is I want to lay out the three specific initiatives that God has for us. And in a world where there's so much we can't control, we can control how we love one another. And so our first, our first initiative for the year is unity. And it's rooted and founded in this verse, another passage of scripture that Jesus has brought me back to many times over this last year as, as there have been, um, well, there's been a couple of people sharing opinions on social media this year. Um, I don't know if you know this or not, but in the last 18 months, there have been lots of honorary doctorates that... Well, I don't know that they were given, um, but they were declared. There's a lot of people who earned a doctorate saying things that were like, what? That don't, that don't pass the sniff test. So I want to take you to a passage of scripture. I don't know, also, I don't know if you know this. Did you know that you're in the Bible? Did you know that Jesus names you in the Bible? And we can talk. We can come on class. Did you know that you were in the Bible? I want to show you where if you didn't. John chapter 17, it says this. This is Jesus right at the end. The end of his time on earth, and this is what he says. He says, I do not pray for these alone. He just got done praying for the disciples. He just got done praying for God's people. And then he says, but also for those who will believe. That's you. You see, right here in John 17, 20, Jesus was praying and he saw you. Not some caricature of you or not, not, not okay, that's, a, that's a, a person or a woman or a man or a child, a son or daughter. No, he saw you. 
He saw you in this season. He says, I pray for those who will believe in me through their word, meaning the disciples, the work that the disciples are gonna do to tell the world about Jesus. And he says that they may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me and the glory which you gave me, I have given them that they may be one just as we are one. I in them, you in me, that they may be perfect in one. And that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved me as you have loved me. Four times in this verse, Jesus speaks to unity, that they may become one. Can I tell you that unity has been a difficult thing for us as a church? If you're new to the story, our church launched about two and a half years ago and we shot out like, like a hair on fire, like a cannon, just a cannonball shot out of a cannon. We, we started off with all these people. We grew super fast. And then about uh, two years into it, uh, we went into a shelter in place and then we couldn't see anybody for forever. And then we came back and now we all get to wear these masks and half of you were here and you're like, you know, the people at that church are really cool. I don't really know what they look like. All I see is their eyes, but they seem really nice. And the day that's going to come when we finally don't have to wear these stinking masks anymore, we're going to have a bonfire in the parking lot for them. And then we're all going to come in here and, and we're going to go, who are you? We've been best friends the last six months. I don't know who you are. Listen, unity has been a difficult thing for us. It's been a difficult thing for us to feel connected and united. We don't have a long track record of, of relationships. I mean, we're a young church. We're a new church. And I believe that God is calling us to become a more unified church. What does that mean? It sounds really good and, and oh yeah, rah, rah. But what does that actually mean? I, I'm a simple man. I like things to make sense. And so God said, listen, this is what I want you to, what I want it to look like. And, and we've talked about this as a staff and we've, we've boiled it down to three questions that, that, that we want to be able to successfully answer throughout the course of the year. Question number one, do people feel seen? Meaning when they walk in the church, do the people that walk in the church, do they feel seen? Do, do, do people notice them? Do people introduce themselves to them? Do people say hello? Do they, they connect with them? Or... Do we just walk on by? I don't know, you ain't talking to you. You probably, I don't know, you probably got nasty breath under that mask. I ain't talking to nobody. Or maybe you're worried about your nasty breath. Good thing about the mask is, can't nobody tell. Do people feel seen? Here's the second question that we're, at, we're asking and trying to answer this year. Do people feel known? I Meaning, okay, we've seen you. We, 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 we know that you're here, but, but do people... Do people feel like there are people in our church that know their name, know their spouse's name, know their kid's name, know what they do for work? They know what, what, whether or not you are for or against the chiefs. Some of you we still praying for. Do people feel known? And we want people to feel seen. We want people to feel known. But can I tell you, if, we don't, if people don't feel seen, if people don't feel known, then we'll never be able to answer the third question is, do people feel loved? 
Meaning, if there's something going on in, in your life, are there people in our church that you can connect to and reach out to and that you could be honest enough with and say, man, I am struggling right now. When people that are a part of our church after, you know, they've been around for a little while, if they have to have some sort of medical procedure, are there a group of people that are gonna know that and gonna rally around them in prayer? Are they gonna help provide meals for them? Are there gonna be people who are gonna know um, that when somebody needs a little bit extra help or with a, with a car problem or a house problem or, or you're gonna be out of town for a little while so someone's gonna show up and come mow your grass for you, do people feel loved? You see, that's unity. And it's not that we're doing some terrible job. It's not that we're busted or broken. It's just that God is leading us to a place to become more unified together as a church. After all, Jesus himself said, the world will know that you belong to me by the way that you love one another. So when we bring the people who are close to us but far from God to church, if we don't, if we don't feel seen, if we don't feel known, if we don't feel loved, then when they come into this place, they're gonna be like, I feel like I'm just at the mall. Ain't nothing different about this place. The good news is, is I think that we do a pretty good job of this. I hear it regularly. It's such a warm place. People are friendly and inviting. And I love that. I just believe that God's calling us to take it to a whole nother level. That we could feel more unified as a church, you don't have to be here long to hear us say that we want to be a place where strangers can become friends and friends can become family. That's unity. We begin to spend time at each other's houses and go to lunch together after church. And on a group text, you can send someone out, hey, I'm going to a job interview. Y'all pray for me. My son just got accepted into college. Man, praise the Lord. And everybody sends the praise hands emoji. Here's the deal. There's some things that we are doing as a staff um, to try to lead the way in this. We're trying to do some things to cultivate and create some environments where we can create a little bit more unity. One of the things that we're going to do um, is something that we're going to call Sunday socials. All right. And now listen, here's the deal. We're not going to tell you about these ahead of time. We're not going to plan it. We want it to be something that's kind of spontaneous, fun, unexpected. But I am telling you about this one because you don't know about it. And I'm introducing it to help you see what it's going to look like. But next week, the Chiefs are going to, going to kick some Buccaneer butt in the Super Bowl. And so next week, we're going to have our first Sunday social. And here's the deal. It's, it's not some big elaborate thing. Here's the hope. The hope is is that on those days we have Sunday socials and you'll know when you walk in, if you follow us on social media, you'll probably see something before you get here on Sunday morning that, that we're gonna have a Sunday social that day. And here's the hope, here's the dream. Instead of walking, you know, door, 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 out. That you might go get your kids if you got them and you might spend five or 10 minutes in the lobby just connecting with somebody. That you might go find one person that you've seen their face, but you've never really gotten their name or you've got their name, but you forgot what their name is. Come on, how many of y'all know that happens in church? All right, listen, I love you. I'm your pastor. I am the worst at names. I've got all kinds of ninja tricks that y'all don't even know about to help me with names. Y'all pray for me. But that's the hope that you take five or 10 minutes, just connect with people in the lobby. We're not asking you to commit an hour or anything like that. Just, just hang out for a few extra minutes, connect with people, get to know people. 
If there's somebody that you don't see, make sure that you feel seen or that they feel seen. If there's someone that you don't know, man, make sure that you go connect with them on a deeper level so that you can know them and that they can know you. And maybe find out if there's something that you can do to help make sure that they feel loved. All right, that's what this is all about. We're gonna do these a few times throughout the year. Um, here's something else um, that, 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 that we're doing. If you are a part of our church, if you're a member of the church, I don't know if you know this or not, but you are an honorary member of the greeter team. Matter of fact, I'm just gonna don you right now. Mm, mm, mm. All right, you are a part of the greeter team. What does that mean? It means greet people. It means say hello. It means don't walk past somebody that you don't know without taking five seconds to say, hey, I'm Jernigan, what's your name? Or, hey, I'm Jernigan, I forgot, forgive me, I forgot your name. What is your name again? It's so good to see you. Be part of the greeter team. Why? Because we're trying to be a place where strangers can become friends and friends can become family. Here's another way. Small groups are starting in a couple of weeks, man. Join a small group. That's the best way. You want to you know some people? Join a small group. I'll tell you what, Jessica and I hosted a small group this last spring, man. We got to know some people. Y'all were in my small group. Y'all know. We were like two weeks in and it was like, we just going straight to the deep end of the pool. Let's go. Man, we were laying hands on people and praying for them and like glory fit happening. People were confessing stuff. Marriages were getting right. It was awesome. I want to have greater unity. Come on, you with me? Let me hear a better amen. Come on. There we go. Here's the second thing. In a world where there's so much we can't control, we can control how we love the world around us. This is outreach. What does that look like? Well, Matthew 5, Jesus said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Well, what does that mean? How do we, how do we let our light shine before people? How do we do that? Well, Jesus gave an example. As a leader, he went first. In Mark 10, 45, he said, for the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Uh, one of my mentors back when I was uh, early, as, early on as a youth pastor used to say this, you're never more like Jesus than when you're serving others. Man, come on. When we serve people, man, the light of Jesus shines through us. And so what does that look like? Well, there's, again, as a staff, we're working on this. We're trying to do some things where we can create some opportunities, where we can do some things, all hands on deck. One of the things that we're going to do uh, at some point this year, Pastor Chris is leading the effort on this, uh, and we're working on nailing down the details. We're going to do an event called Love KC. If you were with us the first year we were here as a church, we did Love KC. We canceled it last year because I don't know if y'all heard about something that happened last year that caused everything to get canceled. But we're going to bring it back. And what is Love KC? Man, it's an all-hands-on-deck opportunity. We all get together and we serve across the community on the same day of the year, of the calendar year, that we can, as loudly as we know how, let people know there is a God in heaven. He loves you. He cares about you. And he sent us to help. We're going to show KC that Jesus loves them. That's what it's all about. So we're going to do that at some point in the first half of the year, probably. Um, and then uh, we're also going to be doing something the second half of the year where we're going to uh, try to do something around Christmas time. Man, can I tell you, people are open to receiving some hope around the holidays. And Pastor Chris is working with some people in our church to, to create some kind of awesome Christmas outreach. Listen, by the way, if you've got thoughts or ideas about it, man, reach out, Chris at discoverchurchkc.com. He'd love to hear from you. All right. Um, but here's the deal. Um, those are things that we're doing, but what can you do? 
Well, there's something that you can do today. If you're going out to lunch today, uh, if you're going to Hy-Vee today, if you're going to get a coffee today, or maybe you already did those things today and you're going to do those things tomorrow, whatever the case may be, hey, y'all grab some of these. We put them right there as you're walking out on purpose so that you can't miss them. I hope that at some point somebody just barrels through that thing and breaks it. We got to buy a new one because somebody ran into it because that's how, how, how hard it is. We're trying to make it for you to be able to walk past the door and not get one of these. But we call these kindness cards. It's genius. And I can say that because we didn't come up with it. We straight up stole it from another church in the name of Jesus. You want to know the secret of creativity is concealing your sources. But here's the deal. When you're out and about and doing your thing in your everyday world, everyday life, and you have an opportunity to be kind to somebody, go above and beyond, maybe something that is unexpected. Hey, have one of these in your back card. It just says something extra to show you that God loves you. And then they flip it over and it says, and so do we. It's got the church's address on it um, so, and our social media stuff on it so we can get connected to the church. Jessica and I did this just last night, uh, or not last night, Friday night. We went out uh, on a date night. Come on, practicing what I preach if you were here in the Happily Ever After series. We barely got it in. We almost forgot about it, but my middle son looked at the calendar and said, Mommy, y'all ain't been on a date night yet. That's what I thought. But then he said, so Grandpa needs to come babysit us so we can watch movies and popcorn at his house. Don't really even care. Went out to eat at a restaurant. Had this sweet girl who was our server. Best service I've had in a really long time. And I complimented her and I left her a little note. And I laid one of these cards down on the table. By the way, if you're going to do that, don't be cheap. Don't you do that to your church. The service was great today. You did awesome. A little something extra to show you God loves you. 5%. Y'all don't do that. But man, take some of these kindness cards, use them, distribute them. Put it on your rearview mirror, something to, to remind you, man, I have an opportunity to change the world today by just being kind. In the world, there's so much we can't control. We can't control how we love those around us, that outreach. Come on, let's, let's do that together. Can I get an amen? Here's the last thing, and I'm so stinking excited about this. I've heard so many questions about it over the last six months to a year or so is something that hits very near and dear to my heart. But in the world, when there's so much that we can't control, we can't control how we love the next generation. What does that mean? Well, it means I'm incredibly thankful and grateful for all of our Discover Kids uh, Dream Team members. Come on, can we give a hand for all of our Discover Kids folks? Listen, y'all think that they're just wiping butts back there, but they're not. They're helping future world changers understand Jesus on their level. They're not the church of tomorrow, they're the church of today. And the dream that I've always had for our church is that we would prioritize the next generation just as much, if not more, than we do the current generation. Because they matter. And our Discover Kids team's doing an awesome job. Emily Smith's doing a phenomenal job leading our Discover Kids team. So thankful for what they're doing. I love the creativity and the stuff that they've got going on back there. And awesome days are ahead for them and some of the things that they're gonna be doing this year. I'm not gonna tell you all about it. You'll hear about it. 
I'm also thankful for what we're doing to minister to students right now. Brett and Amanda Miller, I don't know where you are, but I know that you're here somewhere and I know that you are loving that I'm shouting your name from the stage right now because they're not those kinds of people that give me all the accolades. That's not who they are. Um, But they're gonna be leading a student small group this semester. I'm so excited about what they're doing. But it's time, y'all. It's time that we start telling the Northland uh, that, that, that we care about teenagers, that we care about their families. I'm excited to tell you that this year, God willing, we're gonna be hiring a full-time position to, be, to start a student ministry in our church so that we can minister to students, we can minister to their families. And so there's a place for y'all here. I was a youth pastor for 11 years and I am passionate about reaching teenagers. We had to make some hard decisions when we got started. We couldn't do everything well. One of the things that I've learned is that if you want to do something well, do less of it really well, and then eventually grow it out, build it out. And now's the time that we're going to be taking a step. I can't wait. The hope is that by back to school time frame, we've got a student ministry on, uh, uh, that is going to be launching, which means that we're going to, have, we're going to be hiring somebody. They're going to have some other duties, um, but that's going to be their primary focus. I'm so excited about what that means. So what does that mean for you? Well, number one, go serve and discover kids. You can make a difference in the next generation right now. Go serve back there, change their world. You can also pray for us as we start the process of looking to hire somebody. So what are our initiatives? Just a quick reminder. In a world where there's so much we can't control, we can't control how we love each other. And that's unity. We can't control how we love the world around us. That's outreach. We can't control how we love the next generation. That's kids. That's students. You know, vision's great, but it's easy sometimes to forget why. What we do is important, but it's never as important as why we do it. Why are we here as a church? Why do we exist? We exist to see our city changed. Not by us, not by you, not by me, but by Jesus. One life at a time. We are a group of people that are just dumb enough to believe that faith can still move mountains. That lives can still be changed. That Jesus loves us enough, not just to change us in a moment, but to change us for eternity. I'm going to take you back to where it all started. It was a cold but sunny Wednesday in 2015. And I was a youth pastor at Abundant Life. And I knew at that time that God was leading Jessica and I to to leave the church that we had been at for over a decade and, and to start a new church. We didn't know when, we didn't know where, we didn't know what it was gonna look like. And on this Wednesday, my father-in-law and I met up and we decided to go into the city because we were gonna go see what was going on because the city was celebrating the world champion royals. We parked on the south side of Union Station. We walked past Crown Center. We walked up Grand, and this is a, this is a picture of what we saw. We saw people everywhere, blue everywhere. We saw the road that was, that was barricaded off, that the parade route was going to be coming down, and we got there before any of the cars started coming, and, and it was just kind of amazing. Um, how many of you were there? Did any of you guys go? Yeah, look around the room. Keep your hands up. Look around the room. See who the other crazy people are. 
If you were there, you know it was awesome. Eventually, I saw the the first vehicle make the left-hand turn to start coming down grand. People saw, you could feel the, the, the tension rising, the excitement, the enthusiasm. And turns out there was nobody we knew in the first car. That's kind of how that works. The second car, that might've been the athletic trainers. Eventually, towards the end of the parade, there was Moose, there was Haas, there was Salvi. People just going ballistic, people going nuts. Let's go, Royals. <laughs> Celebrating and cheering, and Ned Yost had the, had the trophy above his head. He was on the bus, and he was like, yeah, or on the back of a truck. He's like, yeah, everybody's freaking out and going crazy. And I leaned over to my father-in-law, Frank, and I said, I wonder if this is what heaven's going to be like. Now, where we ended up standing after we finally got settled, we couldn't see what I'm about to show you. Matter of fact, it wasn't until the next day that I saw this. I knew that there was a mass of humanity, but I had no idea until the next day and I saw this picture. An entire city United for one cause. Race didn't matter. Socioeconomics didn't matter. Politics didn't matter. 800,000 people united to celebrate one cause. It's at that moment that I started praying in a different kind of way for the church that I didn't know would be called Discover Church. And for all of you who raised your hands just a second ago saying that you were there, I didn't know you, but I was praying for you. I didn't know what this was going to be, but I was praying for something where people could come together and all of those other things wouldn't matter as much because we're all looking to King Jesus. It's not that those things are insignificant. It's not that they don't matter. They do matter, but they pale in comparison to the thing that matters the most, the reality of the resurrection of Jesus and the hope of the promise of his return. And I began to pray, God, would you allow me to connect with people, to love people, to point people to you so that we might be able to see something like this happen. We know it's gonna be like this in heaven. In fact, in heaven, it's not gonna be 800,000 people. It's going to be trillions upon trillions upon trillions of people that are all gathered around the throne of Jesus, all celebrating and going crazy. There he is, there he is, the Lamb of God, the King of the world, the Savior of the universe, the Redeemer the rescuer, the champion, the hope of salvation, the one who brought me from death to life, the one who restored me and resurrected me and renewed me and created me and made me better and made me whole and restored a broken relationship and healed an illness and a sickness that was in my body. There he is, my king. Discover Church, that's why we're here. Two 
2,000 years ago, Jesus prayed for you. He knew who you were, he knew when you were going to be, and he knew what you were going to experience, and he prayed for you when he launched the church. Five and a half years ago, I didn't know you, but I prayed for you. This last year has been hard, but I believe with every fiber of my being that the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come for you. The best is yet to come for us. The best is yet to come for the church. And I'm asking you, would you follow me as I follow Jesus? I'm not, there's nothing special about me, y'all. I put my pants on just like you do. I don't do some, you know, double backflip somersault and land into them at the same. I'm just a real guy with real problems that's got real hope in Jesus. And I'm just dumb enough to believe that if we could unite on King Jesus, that we could see our city changed by Jesus. It's gonna happen one life at a time. So what's the vision? For 21, the vision is a comeback because the best is yet to come. The vision is unity. The vision is outreach. The vision is next generation. And I'm asking, would you join me? Let's see what happens if we pray as if it all depends on God, but we work as if it all depends on us. What could God do through you? Only heaven knows. And only you will find out if you'll follow him. And I believe that we can accomplish more together than we ever could apart.